Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi, welcome to episode 15, and I'm here again with my good and precious friend, Lynn Breeden. Um, when we're around each other, we just smile. We're so happy. <laughs> we are. <laughs> One of those um, kindred spirit sister things. So just so thankful God brought us together. And so early in my journey of this, we actually traveled to Palm Springs together, yes, California, yes, to did. an Umbrella Ministry Conference. First of all, I came to a conference in Indiana. You hosted it, but Daisy came uh, to it, came to it yeah. for Umbrella Ministries, <laughs> and she's the one that founded Umbrella Ministries. And then you and I flew out together the following year to Palm Springs for one of Daisy's main conferences. We have done a table together in Indiana in yes, that was it um, yes pulse fest thank you I couldn't remember what mm-hmm. that was so we had a table together for morning to dancing and for reaching out to grieving parents and it was interesting because I remember someone came by the table and they mentioned oh I know so and so or I have a friend who lost a child a couple of years ago but they're fine now <laughs> and I think all of us at the table just like froze <laughs> it was like do we I don't want to attack I don't <laughs> we didn't want to overwhelm no. but it, all of us just like froze <laughs> uh, we guarantee you they are not fine That's they right. may they may have you fooled but we know better That's and right. then it was interesting because we could see I know uh, one woman that I think of in particular I mean you go to this pulse fest it was all these big bands king and country and plum was there and it was free mm-hmm. at Notre Dame wasn't it? or yeah, yeah it was at, at the campus. Notre Dame campus mm-hmm. and so it was their great big <clears throat> coliseum and so it was free and so they're coming with their families expecting a wonderful time and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden they pass this table and I just remember one in particular but there was more than one when they realized who we were mm-hmm. and why we were there the look on their face was almost like panic yes and bam they were gone yeah they would turn their head they and and we knew us. and we knew that's mm-hmm. a mom who's lost a child and they just couldn't go there right now in that sense we felt kind of bad because you're there getting away from this and then all of a sudden bam (laughs) here we are and yet there were a lot of parents that were thankful we were there so that was actually another time that we got to spend together today what we're going to talk about is the fear of losing another child that's a huge one. It's huge. It is very huge. And I, it, it for me, I have a grief journal coloring book and journal, mm-hmm. my grief journey. And I color in my own coloring book. And the very first page I colored was the word fear. Mm-hmm. And the journaling prompt is you know, something that I'm afraid of now or what I fear. And I wrote in there, afraid of losing another child. Yes. Because now that it's happened to you. Mm-hmm you know it can happen again. That's right. And in our world, since we minister to grieving parents, and that's what God has called us to do, we know people who have lost more than one. Absolutely right. And it happens. Yes. We're still not exempt. We are not. So that causes a lot of us to make it hard on us with our other children Mm -hmm. to let them out of our sight, Mm -hmm. to let them live life 
because we want to do everything we can to keep from losing another one. That's so true. Were you like that? Absolutely, without a doubt. And I, <laughs> I don't know that I've talked to any parent that hasn't experienced mm-hmm. this. This, I think, is probably the universal fear Mm -hmm. Um, because I think when you haven't had a child and and you actually said this in in your beginning um, you when you haven't lost a child you just assume you're not going to right you know and and when you have lost a child you know that you're not exempt from that and you know that the worst that could ever happen to you has happened so it can happen and it's it's kind of like a bursting your bubble kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it, it's, it happened to me. I had a three and a half year old and a seven, uh, Matthew and Mark. And I was fearful, especially with Mark, because he hadn't turned five yet and Joel died at five. Yes. And so I remember being kind of protective over him watching. Um, but in those early years, I was pretty numb. So it wasn't like my number one, I got to protect my children kind of thing. Um, as much as that came as I, the grief really sets in and you know, um, but I, this actually happened, this actually happened Mm -hmm. and it can happen again. Mm -hmm. Um, Matthew, right after Joel died, had the flu for the first time and he was scared to death. He was going to die. Now Matthew was the older, Matthew was the older one. Um, that was close, really close mm-hmm. to, to Joel. And he was more aware of Joel's sickness and the cancer, the chemotherapy and the throwing up and the diarrhea and all the things that go with chemotherapy for Joel. And so when Matt got the flu, like in January, two months after Joel died, he was petrified mm. that he was dying. And so I remember that being a realization that my children were really affected by mm. this as well. I I mean, I slept with him. He, he didn't let me out of his sight. And it was a constant reassurance that you're okay. Um, but it was also that for me, is he okay? You know, mm-hmm. I, I was really watching to make sure. And I was hypersensitive. Matthew also had an accident on the playground um, that spring. And had a stitches in his head and it got infected and I can remember with the doctor um, saying you have to give him an antibiotic and at that time in the mm-hmm. doctoring world they didn't do antibiotics as preventative they did it after oh. and and he argued with me and he didn't and of course two days later Matt got an infection and he hmm. went on antibiotics but I can remember being that fierce mama bear like we are like I was with Joel um that while he was sick so it's that fighting kind of thing that just you know rears up (laughs) and so yeah we're very protective yeah yeah it's interesting because I you know I already said that's been my deepest fear and it's Mm -hmm. still something that I fight Mm-hmm. It's still something that I fight. Me too. I don't remember, and I think it was because my children were older. Becca was 29, and all of the next three were adults mm-hmm. uh, on their own. And then the youngest was Austin, who was 16. So he was the only one still at home. And I I don't I don't remember. I mean, I think there was that fear that I'm going to get a call, a policeman's going to come to my door, but they were pretty much out of my home, so there was nothing I could do about it. except try to deal with that fear and give it to God. And he says in the word that fear brings torment. Mm -hmm. And that is so true. true. Oh, my goodness. We can just torment ourselves 
with that fear of mm-hmm. losing another child, but it's not going to do any good, is it? It is not going to do any good, no. I think my probably best example of this is actually Mark, who was three and a half at the time, and um, Mark right out of high school went into the Air Force, and um, not long after he was in the Air Force, he was deploy- deployed to Iran, and I was... Was that during the Desert Storm time? Yes, it oh was. My. And I was absolutely mm. petrified mm-hmm. of him leaving. And I can remember that first month, there was not a lot of sleep going on. There, I was so, so afraid. And I remember um, my pastor at that time saying, okay, what are you afraid of? I mean, what are you afraid of? And it was that first aha moment, I'm afraid he's going to die. I'm afraid Mm -hmm. that I'll lose him. And his response was, and what are you going to do with that? How does that, how does that look for you? And I said, well, actually, I, I know what it's like to lose a child. And I'm a survivor of that. You know, I, I, I got through that. Okay. I just don't want to do it again. Right. Exactly. Um, but I, but I also have the benefit that families who have not lost a child don't have. I have the benefit of knowing I am a survivor. I can get through that because I already did. Yes. I got through one of the worst things that can ever happen to any of us in the loss of a child. And and God gave me everything I needed to make it through the loss of Joel. And so if, if I lost Mark in that as well, I would get through it. I knew that I could do all I think it's that things. fear of being in that darkness again. It is. Because we know how dark it is. That's right. It is. And I, but I, I there's something inside of me that feels like I can do that maybe better because I isn't that interesting? Because I've almost it. I've kind of wondered the same thing. You know, God, if you were to allow that, would I be better the second time around? Just because I know there's hope on the other end this time. That's right. Yeah, I the things that I was afraid of in that and had no idea. Now I know. I mm-hmm. know what that looks like. I know that I can do all things through the strength of mm-hmm. Jesus. I know that. Um, I don't have to come to that realization. I, yes. I know it going in. I know that I can survive. The worst thing that could ever happen to me is the loss, losing one of my children, and I've already experienced that. And so part of that... Now was, we would have a grid. Yes. Where we talked about the first time, we had no grid had whatsoever. No, grid. no But now at least we have a grid... And a support group. Yes. Because now I'm I'm surrounded by women who have lost children because that's my ministry. And we already know we know what our path is gonna be. That's right. And we know that we're not walking it alone where before I yes. knew nobody and now I know that you're gonna come mm-hmm. up and walk oh, yeah. alongside of me and literally and encourage me. <laughs> yes. I mean you'll be on my front doorstep. Yes, I will. <laughs> um, within hours. And I know that. There's a comfort in that and knowing yeah. that the people that I surround myself with, get it. Mm-hmm. And they're going to walk that. They're and we hope and pray me. it never happens. We do, of course. But if it but does. We, you have to sometimes mm-hmm. face that fear. Yes. And that's what I did with Mark. I faced that fear and said, okay, if he dies. And the hardest part with that was he wasn't here. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, Joel right. was yes. in my arms. Um, Mark is in a place I've never seen. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know when he's sleeping. I don't know when he's eating. I don't know when he's in the air. Yes. I don't know who's around him, his enemies. Every I knock at the door, I every got, phone call. I have nothing in yeah. that. And, and so once he came back from that, 
It actually got easier because he told me how it looked. He was deployed five times, so um, I had to get used to this. <laughs> um, but he he was able to communicate. This is what it looks like, Mom. This is how it was. This is what I did. Um, you know, we were flying at night and sleeping during the day, and I knew his pattern, so I could pray better. Mm. I could. I it was more comforting, and I'd faced my fear. If something yes. happened to him, I would be okay. I would not be I would go through this grief all mm-hmm. over again and I know that but um Mark's my wild child so he's always the one that <laughs> I'm I'm never sure <laughs> what 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 the, the next do- knock at the door is going to be and he's home now and you know he's fine but um, that it's scary. It's yeah. very scary. But facing your fears is a big part of this. It is. As you were talking, I thought of something that one of the times we thought we could lose Becca with Oliver, the chemotherapy as a young child gave her heart damage. They found out long-term effects. So within that, when she got married and was pregnant, she was given a 50-50 chance of surviving labor mm-hmm. and delivery. And so she lived at the hospital, and they had equipment in her room in case she coded or heart quit, and they had to get the baby out immediately. I mean, that was how we lived for, I think it was two or three months. And when she got to the point where they said they just didn't think her heart was going to take it anymore, they Mm -hmm. really needed to get the baby out. And when they were taking her away to start her labor, And they didn't even know, the doctors argued, do they let her have the baby vaginally or do they do a cesarean because both ways were a different stress on the heart. Right. They just did not know. They could not say what was going to happen to her or the baby. And at that point, after we kind of said our goodbyes to her, because this is going to be in a surgery room where they have all the emergency equipment available, so it wasn't your normal birthing room. As after we said our goodbyes and loved on her and kissed her and prayed for her and they took her away and Dave and I were in a hallway and I just cried in his arms and I said I don't understand why I'm crying because I know that I know that I know that I trust God with her life I knew that mm-hmm. and in his wisdom he said but we don't know which way we're going to have to trust him for that's right yeah and I think of that with the second child yeah. now mm-hmm. in that fear of losing a second child it's like, I know that I trust God. It's just, we don't know what, if we're going to have to trust him to go through it again. That's right. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that it's a, it's an important part for me is even in all of that, God was good. Yes. And we tend to want to think God is good in our good days, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, but we're not feeling so great about him (laughs) on our bad days. Right. And I know because of what I've experienced, God was good in all of that. He was so good Mm -hmm. and he will continue to be good on the next dark day that, that comes, crosses my path, whatever that is. And I trust him. Because he, he he was absolutely every step of my way. He was there and he was good in it. Even when we didn't think he was. Even he was there. We, we can it. look back and say his, he was there. I see his faithfulness in it. I didn't feel it at the time. Mm-hmm. I was scared to death so many times that I wasn't going to make it through this. This was mm-hmm. too hard. Um, but I did. And it was because of his faithfulness. And I, I can say without any reservation, he was good. He mm-hmm. was good in all of that. Um, probably for me, the, the hardest time in this process of, um, being afraid of losing another child, um, Lindy and I got married about five years after Joel had died and, um, we had a child, um, named Taylor and Taylor is now 26, soon to be 27. And, um, 
Taylor was precious um, because I didn't think I would ever have any other children after the loss of Joel. And, and so Taylor came and he was he was pretty precious and I held him pretty tight. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I held him pretty tight. And again, going through those first five years and getting past that anniversary, I remember it really well. And the thing with Taylor was his birthday was the day after Joel's. Um, he came on his due date. Oh. Um, but um, Joel's birthday is September 30th and, and Taylor Taylor's birthday is October 1st. And I prayed desperately that God would see fit to not have Taylor be born on Joel's birthday. Mm. I I wanted them to be separate and I didn't want Taylor to have to experience anything with that. And so he did. But um, when Taylor was in high school, um, there was a mole on his head that didn't look right. Um, I took him to our family doctor and he said, nope, that's not right. We need to get him into um, a doctor that specializes in skin care. And so we took him and um, had a part of it removed just to do a biopsy and it was cancer. Um, they removed all of it. They went pretty deep. He still has a scar and he keeps his hair pretty short. So it's a reminder that mm. my Joel is, or my Taylor is still here. Look at me. Do you hear that mm. Freudian yes. slip there? <laughs> um, yeah, that my Taylor is okay. Um, but on later on, there was another mole on his head and we had it biopsied and, and the same thing. We had mm. it removed. So there was a couple moles on his back. Of course, now we're you know doing full body scans and there was a couple moles on his back that didn't look right, but they didn't look bad. And um, the doctor said, well, you're coming back next week. Let's evaluate and decide. And so that week I stewed all week long. I I wanted them to remove every single yeah, mole no on kidding. that child's body. Like, I don't want mm-hmm. anything. But at the same time, do you really want to do that to your child and have, you know, a million scars on their body? And, um, especially, <laughs> How old was he then? He was probably 16 at okay. that time. He was a teenager. And um, so we got back to the doctor a week later and I said, okay, here's my dilemma. Um, You've already removed two. Um, One was cancer, the other was precancer. And we've got a couple moles on his back that we think are iffy. I lost a child to cancer, so this is scary yes, stuff for me. Yes. And I can't lose this child. And we we have to figure out how do we balance this because I also don't want you removing I don't want him to be completely scarred up because of the <laughs> removal of all these moles on his because body of mom's because fear. I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Um and the doctor in his wisdom said, How about if we just remove one of those ones that we're a little concerned about? And we're going to take pictures of the other ones so that we can see the, the difference in them. And we'll remove that one and just see what that looks like. And it came back completely benign. There was hmm. no cancer. And so we watched those. And we still continue to watch them. And I'm not going to lie. Every time I'm with him, I'm scanning his <laughs> Let head. Let me see your mole. <laughs> I'm scanning his head, you know, to make sure. Because that's where the cancerous ones were. So hmm. I'm really hmm. careful about that. But it was in that process, again, you know, that I had to go, okay, my instinct is um, because I'm so afraid, yes. but what is right for my child? Because um, he can't be the product of my insanity yeah. and, <laughs> and fear. You know, that's mm-hmm. not okay for him. And I have to find a balance in this. So that was another leg in the journey, you know, was yeah. another part of this that, um, and we, I, I do the same thing with my grandchildren, you know. Oh, um, I know. That's you know, another I, fear. It's oh, a whole different I, I mean, thing. To the thought of 
losing a grandchild, number one, they're so precious. They I mean, people talk about it, but you don't get it until you're a grandparent. Really precious, yes, yeah, you know? I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's how we feel. <laughs> yeah, and, and we don't get it until we are a grandparent, but then the fear of watching our child go through the death of their child is just like, that's it's a whole other thing that I can, oh man, I will, I very easily allow myself to become tormented by that fear. I have to just, Me okay, too. I can't I go there. I can't I go the there. Thing. Oh, yeah, yeah just the, the thought of that. Thing. It's just, it's exhausting though. It is. Um, yeah, this Taylor, he just had a new baby two if. weeks ago oh. and they had, you know, some issues um, in pregnancy, nothing big, but, you know, every time there was something mm. or they were going for an appointment and I didn't hear back, my brain, I went down that rabbit hole every mm. time. What if that baby dies? What am I going to do? How am mm-hmm. I going to help him deal with that loss? And, you know, I mean, then it, you just yes, go, stop yes, it. Yes. Stop it. That mm-hmm. baby is fine until mm-hmm. he's not. <laughs> and right. we don't know that he's not. So stop right. it. You can't keep doing that. Mm-hmm. But I did it all through that pregnancy. They don't even know this so if they listen to this they'll hear it for the first time but that's really scary it's a really scary thing it is and when you were you were talking about the goodness of God and you think about okay so in in some people's Christianity God's goodness stepped in for Taylor (laughs) because he didn't die it didn't Mm -hmm. become cancerous and he going through all this chemo and everything and just the fact that the goodness of God isn't based on what he does or doesn't do for us Thank you. on our wants. That's right. And just like think of ourselves as a parent, mm-hmm. what makes us a good parent? It's not giving our child whatever they want. Mm-hmm. It's seeing the big picture right. and seeing what they need and being there for them, even when we have to say no to something mm-hmm. because they can't see the big picture. Mm-hmm. And are we not a good parent? Right. That's so not true. And it's the same with God. He is is still a good father, even when he allows these things we don't understand. And Mm -hmm. that whole question why that we can torment ourselves with, Mm -hmm. we're not going to get that answer. And even if even if he did try to answer us, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be good enough. We'd argue with him just like our teenage kid argues with us. They they don't want the answer why they just want to argue why our answer is not good enough. That's right. And I think if God even did try to tell us why, it wouldn't be a good enough reason for us. Well, in, in our humanness, we want to know the answers. Mm-hmm. I want to know why did Joel die? Why, Lord? Why mm-hmm. did you, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I, I yes. want to say, why did you take him? God didn't take away mm-hmm. Joel. He no. allowed that to happen. Sometimes we get in this thing that if we pray hard enough, if we get enough people to mm-hmm. pray with us, we can manipulate we all God the right Christian into, things to do into mm-hmm. giving us the answer we want. Yes. And it doesn't work like that. Mm-mm. And in our humanness, we want answers. And the truth is, we don't get all the answers. Right. And sometimes we have to be willing to just allow God to be God and know that we are not God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we don't always get to know the answers. And you're right, in His sovereignty and in His knowing the world better than we will ever begin to, that we have to trust him in Mm -hmm. that. And that's really hard when it um, affects us so greatly and so deeply. Um, But it's hard to answer, why did that person whose Mm -hmm. child was fighting cancer, now their their child's in remission and they're living a happy life and they can they can um, talk about God in this way of miraculous God answered my prayer. healing. Mm-hmm. And why didn't I get that? Yes. I prayed. Mm-hmm. We had a million people praying yes. for Joel. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't about that. Mm-hmm. 
And we tend to want to make it about that because it makes it easier for us to understand maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, But this, this is God's sovereignty. It's not us getting to understand the whys. And by the time we hit heaven, we will. Um, But the side of heaven, we don't always get to know those answers. And that's a really tough thing for us to deal with. Yeah. And I think it's helpful if we can quit asking why and start asking how. Mm -hmm. How are you going to get me through this, God? How are you going to give me hope? How are you going to make me want to live again? That stupid verse in Romans that says that you work everything out for our good. Mm -hmm. How are you going to do that in this one, God? That's right. And how do I honor you in this, Mm -hmm. God? How do I take this? And I can be bitter and angry and ugly for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. because my child died. Or I can honor you in this and I can be better and I can learn how to use this for your glory and your mm-hmm. honor because that's why we're here. And I can get glory. closer to you than I ever even that's knew right. was possible. That's right. Because that's one thing when you choose it, you think about how God knows. I, we've heard this, maybe some listening haven't, but God knows what it's like to lose a child. That's right. He watched his son die a horrible, torturous death. And when he talks about to know Christ in his resurrection power, we get all excited about that. Mm-hmm. But it also says to know him in his sufferings. That's right. And so to have the opportunity mm-hmm. to think that God has given you and I and the listeners here who've lost a child the opportunity to know Christ, to know God in his sufferings mm-hmm. of losing a child, how many people have that opportunity to know God that intimately, and to know his pain that intimately. But it's a choice. Yeah. It's a choice we make to walk this um, and allow God to be um, with us in that or to not. And um, the flip side of that, you know, I've talked to several families who have chosen not to Mm -hmm. um, bring God into it, and it's not very pretty. No. It's really not very pretty. They're, they they choose to just ignore it and to not talk about it. And there's a there's a lot of ugliness that comes in with that. And mm-hmm. um, I I feel incredibly blessed yes. know, that I got to walk this with God. And um, but it's a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's truly a choice yeah. we make. And if we can just pray and get all of, I mean, it's like okay, I pray protection over my children every day. God didn't answer that prayer. Well, I, I can look at it that way if I want to, but. I also need to understand that God's not a genie in a lamp. That's right. Where I can just rub him and have him say the right prayer, have enough people praying, like you mm-hmm. said. or to manipulate him yep. into doing what we want. And have him pop out of that lamp and say, your wish is my command. What do you want? Well, then he's mm-hmm. not God anymore. Mm-hmm. And I need him to be bigger. That's right. I need him to be big and be God and mm-hmm. to, to carry me That's right. through, through all of this. So it's basically... What we've come down to in this discussion is that it's okay and normal to have this fear. It is. It's just going to happen. But it's important to continually give it to God and to not let that fear be the basis of decisions you make, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's in your own life or like you were sharing the lives of your children, and not allow those fearful thoughts to grow because they are going to torment us. And his perfect love really does cast out fear. We have to trust Mm -hmm. that he does have a perfect love. It's not that he has a perfect love. He is love. That's Mm -hmm. hard to wrap our heads around. It is. He is love itself. He can't not love perfectly. It's impossible for him Mm -hmm. not to love perfectly. And so it's a matter of us. God, teach me what that looks like. Mm -hmm. Teach me what that's like. 
to not live in the torment of fear, but to live in your perfect love Mm -hmm. that casts out all of those fears when they try to come on me. One of the things that you and I have both done are thankfulness journals. Mm -hmm. So share a little bit about that because it's when I heard you do it that I started doing it and it changed things. Gratitude is the, um, it's the foundation of our faith. Um, You know, I, I think a lot of people use these keywords of trust and faith, and um, but gratitude is um, in so much scripture, and so it is the foundation of who we are. And anything that is going on in our lives that are hard, when we find the things that we're thankful for, it tends to turn that around. And mm-hmm. so, um, gratitude is a really big deal in our lives, and to be thankful for all the things, all the blessings, even the journey of grief and the the things that have been hard in our lives when we are thankful for our next step towards him in that we can find something good in everything and that's what gratitude is all about it's that positivity in our lives and plugging in to the positivity of Jesus and and that everything is a gift from him everything we have is his it's not ours and so I think when we are looking for those things in our lives, in our everyday world that we can be thankful for, it matters. It matters and it changes how we think about things. And Mm -hmm. um, to even look up, there are a lot of times I'll tell people, go in your concordance in your Bible and find all the places in scripture where it talks about gratitude or thankfulness. It's the foundation of our journey with Jesus. So it's a big deal. Yeah. So maybe suggesting to anyone listening that they buy a notebook and maybe every night before they go to bed you have that notebook by you and Mm -hmm. just write down three things that you can be thankful for for that day because I know sometimes in that darkness in the darkest of the dark Mm -hmm. you feel like there's nothing to be thankful for but Mm -hmm. I guarantee you there is is. even if it was just like I smelled those warm chocolate chip cookies baking smelled so good today Mm -hmm. I wasn't I didn't eat any I couldn't stomach it but they sure smelled good thank you that I could smell those cookies today. I mean, any, the smallest thing, Mm -hmm. the smallest thing, start and, and make yourself do it. Don't turn your light out until you have three things down. I that you that. can be thankful it's for. It's a good prompt. It's a good, for that. it's a good discipline for us yes. to be constantly reminded. And and as you start writing those down, um, you're looking for them the next yes. day then. You're looking for the things that you're going to write in your journal. And you know what? If the next day you have five things, that's okay too. I know. I found myself <laughs> one day okay was too. like, I'm writing and I'm turning the page. It's like, ooh, okay that. A lot of things It's amazing. But the more you look for it, the more yes. you're going to find it. Yes. And that's the, that's the positivity in those gratitude journals. It's, it's, that you're looking for it now you're mm-hmm. you're disciplining your mind to think positive instead of negative right and, and not a, hanging on to the fears it's a powerful mm-hmm. thing yeah so like we said fear brings torment but god's perfect love casts out fear and just to remember that jesus is the alpha he's the omega he's the beginning and, and the, the end, end which means he has the final word and this is not the end and he's victorious. We yes. know the end. Yes. He wins. That's right. <laughs> it's and all good. Right here, we're just all passing through. That's right. So even if we do lose another child, in the end, we're going to all be together forever. That's, That's right. how much God loves us because he yeah. made a way mm-hmm. for us to never be separated again once we're done here. And all our children are his. Yes. They're his children. Yes. Ultimately, they're his. Yes. Amen. So Amen. thank you, Lynn. Thank you. It's time for our weekly birthday segment. But 
we don't have any birthdays to share with you this week. If you would like to have your child's birthday announced and celebrated with our listeners, I would love to be able to do that. If you just go to gpshope.org slash birthdays, you can fill out that short little form, submit it, and we will share your child and your child's birthday with our listeners the week of their birthday. I hope that this podcast has been really helpful to you, talking about the fears of losing another child. And like I said, that's one of my greatest fears that I struggle with. And I talked about coloring in my own coloring book. The name of that book is My Grief Journey, a coloring book and journal for bereaved parents. I know a lot of times we're told you need to journal, it will really help. And it does really help, but a lot of times it's like, I don't know where to start. I wouldn't know what to write. And so what this book does is it combines coloring which has a lot of healing and different good things for us when we color. If you don't like to color, though, you don't have to, obviously. But there's a journaling part in there also, and it's a book with over 40 words that have to do with our grief journey. And it's like the good, the bad, and the ugly. And one of the words in there is fear. That is the first page I colored in my own coloring book. And the journaling prompt says something like, one of the fears I have now is. And then you can just write in there, based on the journaling prompt, whatever that page is, whatever that word is, there's something that will make you think about that word and help you write about it. And there's extra pages to write in if that little area for the journaling prompt, you just start writing and you need to write more. There's plenty of room for that in the book. There's also, for each word, I have written, it's kind of like a short devotional, so you could even use this book as a a daily devotional or whenever you're struggling with something, look up the word that's based on what you're struggling with and and read what's there and, and use the journaling prompt to write something. And then there's also a scripture verse at the bottom of the page. We have bereaved groups that will purchase these books and use them in their group time. So it has so many purposes. And just to let you know, when we came out with this book, people started asking us, do you have something for kids? And yes, we do. The friend of mine who hand drew all of these pictures, they're not computer generated, every picture is hand drawn. So we asked her to simplify the pictures. I simplified some of the writing. So a parent and a child can do these books side by side and work on the same page, talk about that word, that feeling, that emotion, whatever's going on. I mean, it's, it's got all kinds of words. I hope you look it up. It's on Amazon. We sell it in our bookstore. I'd be happy to sign it for you if you get it straight from us. But anyway, I would love to send you the pages on fear, both the picture with the journaling prompt and what is written in the book about our fears and the fears that we have now after the death of our child. So if you go to the show notes, there will be a place that you can click, give us your information, and we will get you those pages right away so you can take a look at those, color it, write. So look in the show notes for that. You can find the show notes, just go to gpshope.org 
click on the podcast link and then go to this podcast, which is podcast 15, I'm Afraid of Losing Another Child. That's where the show notes are, the link to get this page. There'll be a link there if you want to have your child added to the birthday segment of the podcast. And you will also find there how to contact Lynn Breeden. You can email her at lynnbreeden at bumchurch.org or just go to the show notes and click on the link and it'll take you right to her email address. Once again, to find all of these links, just go to gpshope.org, click on the podcast button and go to this podcast. And with all of that, I want to end by reminding you to please hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.